Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio. And how the tech are ya? It's time for the tech news for Thursday, January 5th. 2023. And let's start off with some of the stuff that's been revealed at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, which is currently underway in Las Vegas, Nevada. To cover everything would actually take hours of coverage. And trust me, if you're curious about it, you can actually find tons of outlets giving exhaustive reporting from the show. But we can chat about a few of the interesting announcements so far. And I do this knowing that a ton of stuff is going to be announced today as well. So really, it'll be next week when we can take a look back and say, what were the most interesting things? That actually might be a full episode of tech stuff, because chances are there will be more than what we would want to put into just a news episode. So let's get to it. Last night, Sony held its CES press conference, and I've been to a couple of these, the Sony events. Sometimes they can be a little weird, like... There was the time I was there and Seth Rogen came out to half-heartedly talk up the company as part of his promotional tour for Green Hornet. 
it did not look like he wanted to be there. And by the end, none of us wanted to be there either. That was awkward. But this one this year was a little more straightforward. The company for once did not promote its lineup of televisions. TVs just weren't part of this press event. Instead, there was a large focus on PlayStation VR, uh, gaming in general, and also a partnership with Honda. Uh, So here are a few different things that we learned in the course of this event. Sony executive Jim Ryan said that gamers should be able to get a PlayStation 5 without nearly as much of a hassle as they did since it launched in 2020, indicating that the days of shortages are mostly at an end. And that is really nice. If you have been trying to get a PS5, it sounds like either now or in the near future, that will be easy enough to do if you've got, you know, the cash for it. Of course, now we're in a period of economic uncertainty and you might want to hold on to that cash in case you need it for something else. But that's another matter. Anyway, this should also inspire game developers to start making true next-generation titles rather than games that span two different generations of consoles. Because as it stands right now, a lot of the titles that have come out have been PS4 slash PS5 titles. And in order to do that, it means you're kind of pulling your punches, right? You're not swinging as hard as you could for the PS5 type stuff. You're not taking full advantage of the PS5's capabilities, typically. Well, now that might start to change as the consoles become more available and more people buy them and you have a larger user base. Considering that the PS5 is a couple of years old now, it was a pretty slow start for the console. Not entirely Sony's fault. There were a lot of mitigating factors like semiconductor shortages and such and a pandemic. So not I can't really blame the company, but it has been a frustrating couple of years if you are a gamer and have consistently found shortages in the various you know, vendors where you would buy a new console. Sony also announced a a project Leonardo. This is a new controller for the PS5 that the company designed with accessibility in mind. So it is a highly customizable controller so that players who might have limited mobility or dexterity can tune this controller so that they can participate more easily in gaming. They can do things like map, buttons with each other and all sorts of stuff that really can streamline the use of the controller for people who have these these issues. And I think that's super cool. We've been seeing a rise in attention to accessibility over the last couple of years in gaming. And it's it's really great to see because the industry had largely paid very little attention to such things in the past. Like you might have a mode for people who have colorblindness. Uh, but uh, beyond that, there were a lot of games that just didn't have many, if any, accessibility features. And we're starting to see that change. That's great. And good job, Sony, for doing this. Also, the video that they showed off with various gamers talking about how accessibility is important to them personally as a gamer is really sweet. It's worth watching. The other cool announcement that Sony had was the unveiling of the Afila, which is a new brand of electric cars. It's spelled A-F-E-E-L-A. Uh, This is the partnership between Sony and Honda. So the company showed off a prototype and announced that the plan is to have production cars ready for the United States by 2026. Sony said the three main themes for this vehicle brand are autonomy, augmentation, and affinity. So I guess it's a AAA vehicle, which, you know, Sony, AAA studio. There you go. It sounds like these vehicles will have features that are on, you know, lockdown 
unless owners opt into subscription services. That's been a pretty contentious practice recently. It's a little frustrating to purchase a vehicle that's technically capable of doing certain things, but you aren't able to actually tap into those features unless you first pay a monthly fee on top of everything else. That has not gone over well recently, but it looks like more and more car companies are are at least experimenting with that that, uh, business model. It sounds like the car will be absolutely stacked with various sensors and other tech meant for driver assist or autonomous driving features. And also it will have, as you would expect, a lot of entertainment features coming from Sony. Considering how autonomous driving has started to hit the steep part of the evolution curve toward full realization, it'll be interesting to see how advanced their autonomous features will be by the time it comes to market. And, you know, whether or not it'll be billed as more of a driver assist feature or truly driverless vehicle technology. And, you know, how are they going to market that to customers? Because we've seen with Tesla that if you don't haven't truly nailed it down, you can run into some legal problems down the line. In other CES news, Alienware announced it has a new 500 hertz desktop gaming monitor coming out. This will make Dell slash Alienware the first company to offer such a thing for actual purchase. Now, there have been prototypes of 500 hertz monitors from companies like Asus in the past, but they weren't ready for, for the consumer market. Now, in case you're not familiar with refresh rates, that refers to the number of times per second the display you're watching will refresh the image that's on the screen. 500 hertz means that the screen is doing that 500 times per second, which is a lot. Now, granted, this monitor is just one part of the equation needed to provide that experience. You also need a graphics processing unit or GPU that can deliver that signal to the monitor properly. You also need games that are compatible with it. So if you have any one component falling short on this, you don't get that super fast refresh rate. Really, when we start talking about specs at this level, I think the only people who really need to be focused on it are the elite of the elite, like pro gamers who are at the top of their industry. They would probably want something like this, where every microsecond of advantage matters. For other people, like schlubs like myself, it would be a total waste of money for me to get this kind of monitor. I would not be able to take advantage of whatever the monitor was able to do for me, except maybe I would actually recognize that I was totally dead meat even earlier in a deathmatch. Anyway, Alienware's monitor will ship a little later this quarter, and as of yet, Dell has not announced any price attached to it. Philips Hue is giving Hue light bulb owners a chance to synchronize their lights with their entertainment, assuming that the light bulb owners also own a Samsung television from 2022 or later. So to do so, the Hue slash Samsung TV owner will have to purchase a Samsung TV app for the cool price, the princely sum, haven't used that phrase in a long time, of $130. Then they will be able to sync their lights to their television. And the next time they watch an explodey bang bang shoot 'em up kind of movie, the lights can time with like muzzle flashes and explosions and mood lighting. Now, to me, this sounds interesting as a concept, but I have a feeling that if I actually used this kind of feature, I would quickly get very tired of it in practice. But you have to keep in mind, I am also old 
and I am grouchy. Plus, it's hard for me to justify spending 130 bucks to make my lights flash with my television. But for certain home theater enthusiasts, I'm sure this will be a super cool compliment to their setup. It's not for me, but, you know, other people might absolutely love this feature. At CES, AMD held a keynote event, and Panos Panay of Microsoft appeared as part of that event, and he declared that artificial intelligence will be a major component in future Windows builds and that it will, quote, reinvent everything on Windows quite literally, end quote. What that actually means in practice is more of a mystery. He did indicate that AI might help with certain tasks to make them more energy efficient so they would consume less battery power, like being able to keep a camera in focus effectively uh, might end up being more power efficient. And yeah, that's not super sexy or anything like that, but it is a very practical application of the technology. And I think that's pretty cool. I realize that, you know, it's not like, oh, this is going to help you get better at Call of Duty or something like that, or it's going to give you more of an augmented approach when you are composing emails or writing reports or anything like that. All of that would be neat too. But even this kind of stuff where it's just managing things in the background so that you get the most out of your battery power, you're also consuming less energy overall. I think that's really a great idea. Fans of Knight Rider might be interested in a prototype from BMW called the iVision D. That's D-E-E, which according to BMW stands for Digital Emotional Experience. This concept car is an electric vehicle that has a voice-activated digital assistant, so when you talk to your car, this one can talk back to you. So that way, if you say something like, come on, baby, you can do it, while you're trying to accelerate up to highway speed as you see a semi-truck getting very large in your rearview mirror, it can say, oh, geez, I hope you're right. Probably not in that voice. Apparently, the grill on the front of the car has lights that change in color and can even form different quote-unquote expressions, which is, I guess, where the emotional stuff comes from, from that emotional experience name. Anyway, this is a concept car. That means we're likely only going to see elements of the design potentially make it into future production vehicles, but we won't see this actual car become, you know, like a street vehicle. And finally, in our CES news, Luminar, a company that makes LiDAR hardware, has purchased a LiDAR data company called Civil Maps. So this was announced at a CES uh, press event. So the long-term plan is for Luminar to leverage the data from Civil Maps as the company works to advance autonomous vehicle technology. So LiDAR is kind of like radar, except it obviously uses lasers instead of radio waves to send signals out, and then it kind of listens for the echoes. Those echoes can tell a LiDAR system the distance to an obstacle, as well as information like how quickly the object may be moving toward or away from you, how big it is, that kind of thing. So the idea is that Luminar is, is getting access to a ton of information that can help the company build out products that further advance the goal of autonomous vehicle technology. Famously, Tesla had dismissed LiDAR as a technology and, and moved more toward uh, optical cameras instead of LiDAR. But where it is that Tesla has been internally testing LiDAR systems, uh, even though publicly they had kind of poo-pooed the whole technology. So interesting there. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have some other tech news. 
Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back and we're moving away from CES. We've got a few stories we need to talk about. First up, New York City's Education Department has issued a ban on ChatGPT. That's the AI-powered chatbot that I've been talking about a lot recently. Yesterday's episode was partly about ChatGPT. And this chatbot generates responses to queries in real time, and it creates them, you know, at the time of, The query. It's not like they have a whole bunch of responses to stuff and just serves it up. It actually makes the response in time of your question. And the responses are frequently very compelling and authoritative in style. So they're presented in such a way where it feels like you're getting a reliable source of information, right? Like if you were to open up an encyclopedia, you would get something similar. This has been causing some concern in the education field. Teachers have been worried about students using the tool to generate stuff like essays. 
uh, which means that students would be plagiarizing chat GPT and cheating on their homework or their exams. To that end, the New York City Education Department will ban the use of chat GPT on education department networks and devices, so you won't be able to access it on school networks. And any school-issued device will block it. Schools that want to access ChatGPT for the purposes of teaching AI classes, like saying, hey, here's an example of an AI-powered chatbot. We're going to learn how it works, um, what its limitations are, that kind of thing. They will be able to do that if they first request special permission from the education department. Honestly, based on how ChatGPT has limited ability to provide good answers, uh, the answers it gives appear good, like it appears like, authoritative on the surface, but frequently the answers themselves are somewhat lacking. The real worry is that students are just going to cheat themselves out of an education, and in the process, they'll get bad grades because the stuff they hand in won't be very good. So it's kind of a lose-lose situation for students who depend on ChatGPT for help. But ChatGPT is not the only tech boogeyman out there. There's also TikTok which continues to be the target of criticism, particularly in the United States among authorities. And recently, Anton DeBura, a cybersecurity expert, gave an interview with Futurity about the app. And DeBura said that TikTok could amount to a threat on national security, which echoes things we've heard out of the FCC and out of other government agencies and and. Uh, and representatives. So Debra argues that TikTok has the capacity to gather information on individuals in the US on a grand scale. And you might think, well, yeah, but if I have TikTok, I mean, what the heck does the Chinese government want with my personal information? Like, who am I to them? There'd be no reason for them to do that. So really, I'm not concerned about it because why would I be a target? Especially like you look at TikTok and you see things like, like various trends, some of which are somewhat dangerous. <laughs> you see, you know, people singing or lip syncing. You see people dancing. You see people doing life hacks or like recipes, that kind of stuff. You're thinking, like, what's the harm here? What use is this? But Deborah points out that the kind of data that TikTok could be gathering might be used as a first step. That the next step could be that TikTok starts to look for people who might, say, work in companies or offices of interest. Like, what if someone happens to work as a defense contractor, or they work in a company that's important for U.S. infrastructure, or they work in a government office, that kind of thing? This could then be used as sort of a, a launching ground for a deeper dive into that person's information. So TikTok might not be the front door into a, a wealth of protected data that the Chinese government could then exploit, but it might be the first indication that this is a person we should look at more closely because if we can compromise them, we get access to stuff we want. So it could serve as a very large net to catch tons of stuff. That stuff could then be put through a sieve to filter out everything that's irrelevant and then just really allow the Chinese government to focus in almost like a spear phishing attack. And while you might not have any direct connection with something that the Chinese government is actively interested in, there's a chance someone in your life could, and that you could then be the connective tissue that allows 
for this exploitation to begin. That's what Deborah is saying. And I can see his point. I, I It's hard to disagree with that from you know the perspective of, is this possible? Yes, it is possible. We actually don't know for sure that ByteDance is doing anything like this with TikTok data, ByteDance being a Chinese company, but it is possible. And we do know that the company has engaged in some spying on journalists and the like in the past in a report that definitely didn't do TikTok any favors. So whether this is like a clear and present danger kind of situation, I can't say, but it's definitely something we have to at least be wary of. Meta is also having a pretty rough 2023 already. Yesterday, regulators in the European Union issued a $414 million fine on Meta for forcing users to accept personalized targeted ads, whether they wanted to opt in or not. That's a big old deal in the EU where the GDPR laws protect citizen data. So generally speaking, the GDPR is meant to give EU citizens the power of when, where, and how they share their personal information with companies. That seems like a pretty darn reasonable thing to me. I mean, because this is information that belongs to and pertains to a person. So should that not be the default domain of that person and not some corporation? Like it, it's, it's like this stuff belongs to you. Some corporation can't just come and take it. They have to be able to negotiate with you about whether or not you allow them to use that information. That's the GDPR kind of domain. Well, the regulators say that Meta was collecting and exploiting EU citizen data for the purposes of targeted advertising, and that users essentially had no option but to allow it, or else they couldn't use Meta platforms at all. That Meta's terms of service essentially said, hey, it's my way or the highway. If you want to use Meta platforms, then that means you are by default uh, acknowledging and and allowing this kind of data collection and exploitation. The EU is saying, that's not good enough. If you want to operate here, you have to change. They're essentially saying you got to come up with an alternative where people can still use your platform, but opt out of any sort of targeted advertising or else you are not going to be allowed to operate within the EU. And now Meta has three months to come up with a plan on how the company will comply with this EU ruling. This is a pretty big blow to Meta. You know, you got to keep in mind, Meta relies on advertising revenue for the bulk of the money that the company makes. And of course, Meta has already seen some hits to its revenue due to Apple's policy changes that let iOS users opt out of certain types of tracking. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this will affect Meta investor confidence in 2023. The company has had some really rough earnings calls where investors have been frustrated that the company's revenues are, are in a shaky you know, ground, essentially. Uh, they haven't exactly plummeted, but they have taken a hit. And meanwhile, the company has been you know, famously spending billions of dollars trying to develop the metaverse, which is still something that a lot of skeptics, including myself, have questioned whether or not that's really ever going to be a major thing. I certainly don't 
believe it's going to be the future of the internet or of online connectivity. But again, I could just be very short-sighted. So, well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Anyway, bad start to 2023 there. Okay, we got a few more news stories that I want to cover before we wrap up. But before we do that, let's take another quick break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, uh, these next couple of stories are pretty big bummers because it's about people losing their jobs. Uh, Last year, we saw a lot of tech companies make some pretty tough, decisions to reduce headcount. And that has continued into 2023. So now Amazon corporate employees received some pretty bad news. The company now placed to lay off more than 18,000 corporate workers. So previously, the reports were that Amazon was looking to cut around 10,000 jobs. Now it's 18,000. That's a pretty big jump. 
Now that cut represents only 5% of Amazon's corporate workforce. That alone is pretty astonishing. You know, you sit there and think, oh, wow, 18,000. And that's just 5%. When you look at company-wide numbers, it really gets mind-blowing, at least for me, because Amazon employs around one and a half million people across all its divisions. Because you got to keep in mind, the corporate workforce doesn't include stuff like warehouse personnel, right? Or delivery drivers. Previously, Amazon had focused cutbacks in divisions that were not particularly profitable. That included some hardware divisions within Amazon itself. We heard that the, and I apologize for using the name, actually, I won't use the name, Amazon's voice-activated assistant product, you know the name, that division was massively cut back uh, earlier, or at least that's what we heard, because the company had been struggling to find a way to make that division a revenue generator, and it just wasn't getting there. So another big part of the problem, and this is common through a lot of companies, including the one we're going to talk about next, is that Amazon hired a ton of employees in the early days of the pandemic because online shopping went bananas. You know, No one could go anywhere, so everyone was jumping online for everything. We saw this time and time again in so many different uh, areas within online connectivity, whether it was in gaming or shopping or you know, other types of services. And as a result, companies like Amazon had to hire tons of people in order to meet the demand that c customers were putting on the company. However, now a lot of people have backed off of online shopping. It's not nearly as big a thing now because you've seen a lot of restrictions lifted around the world. So people are going back into actual physical stores again, as opposed to ordering everything online. So now the company has more people than it really needs in order to meet customer demand. And so they're going to start laying off thousands more employees. Uh, reportedly, employees who will be affected by this will receive information about the layoffs later this month. I mean, obviously they're aware it's going to happen, but you know they'll find out by the end of January, whether or not they are one of the folks affected by the layoffs. So just want to wish everyone good luck that uh, one, if you're working for the corporate Amazon offices, I hope you're not affected by this, at least not directly. And if you are, I hope you are landing on your feet as quickly as is possible because I've been in that situation and it stinks. So here's hoping. Meanwhile, Salesforce, a software as a service company, you know, like this cloud-based software company, also plans to reduce its workforce. It's going to be reducing it by 10%. It'll also have to close some offices. So like Amazon, Salesforce went on a hiring spree in the early days of the pandemic because companies were scrambling to find various tools that will allow them to pivot to remote work strategies. Like if you remember March of 2020, you just had tons of companies that were really in a rush to figure out how to make it possible to continue business as usual when people could no longer come into an office. And companies like Salesforce that offer this software as a service product, well, they were doing business like gangbusters because everybody was in need of those sorts of solutions. However, now again, that we've kind of passed through the lockdown phase of the pandemic, assuming we don't have another terrible outbreak, which is a dangerous assumption to make. But 
you know, now that we're through that, companies have adopted new strategies. Some have really adopted remote work and they've developed their own tools or they've adopted tools that allow for that and they're good. Or in some cases, they're compelling employees to return to the office. Hello, Twitter. So Salesforce has found itself overstaffed because they just don't have the business to support the number of people they have now. On top of that, Salesforce has really seen a reduced demand in its services overall. And it's another example of the tough environment we're seeing in the wake of the pandemic, as well as the ongoing economic uncertainty. That's also playing a huge part, right? You have companies that are very budget conscious right now because there are all these worries that the economic situation is going to affect consumer spending, that you have businesses that are tightening the belt in anticipation of that. And part of that tends to be, hey, what can we afford to get rid of? And software as a service can sometimes fall into that category. If it's not a critical component of a business, then they might just do without for at least the foreseeable future. So that is also affecting Salesforce. And finally, late last month, The Guardian, a UK-based news organization, found itself the victim of a ransomware attack. The attack has essentially shut down The Guardian's office in London. So the office's Wi-Fi is inaccessible. It's been locked down. And according to reports, you can't even get the cash registers to work in the building's cafeteria at this point. So The Guardian has subsequently shut down its offices to all but essential staff, at least until January 23rd, and it attempts to regain access to its systems. As you can imagine, the attack has severely impacted the ability of The Guardian to stay on top of publishing news. It sounds like it took a Herculean effort on the part of staff to get the print version of the newspaper out to vendors on time in the days following the attack. Like, they pretty much almost literally stopped the presses. but. I I don't even want to imagine the kind of hoops people had to jump through in order to get that to work. It is a, a phenomenal display of dedication. The company has also had to scramble to find alternatives that will allow it to cover stuff like payroll. You know, these are the sort of things that you don't necessarily think about immediately when you hear about stuff like ransomware. You might think of proprietary information or really important files, but that can also include, you know, systems that are highly automated, stuff like payroll. And when that's affected and people aren't getting paid, that's a huge impact, right? Anyway, ransomware attacks can be absolutely brutal. And there is often a strong incentive to give into the demands and pay the ransom. But security experts say that's always a bad idea because when you pay a ransom, you prove that ransomware tactics are an effective way to make money, which means you're encouraging future attacks. It's only by denying those ransoms and finding a way through the problem or around the problem in order to continue on where the attackers have less and less incentive to go through the trouble of launching an attack. Because if they're not getting anything out of it, they're wasting their time. So that's why paying the ransom is always a bad idea. All right, that's it. That's the news I have for you today. There's a lot more out there that I'm sure we'll cover but a lot of it is developing news. So I didn't want to record something that would already be out of date by the time you listen to it. But next week, I'm sure we will be catching up on some other stuff. In the meantime, if you have suggestions for me, there are a couple of ways you can let me know. One is to download the iHeartRadio app. It's free to download. It's free to use. You can navigate over to tech stuff using the little 
handy-dandy search engine inside the app. Just type tech stuff in there. It'll take you there. And there you will find a little microphone icon. If you click on that, you can leave me a voice message up to 30 seconds in length. And I love hearing from you. So feel free to do that. If you would prefer to send any suggestions or requests or anything like that in writing, the best way to do that is over on Twitter. The handle we use for the show is TechStuffHSW. And I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.